This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, welcome to Breaking Britain. This is the show where we explore food through culture, conversations, and a whole lot of curiosity. I'm your host, Lo E. Jun, a food writer and recipe developer from the Jun and Tonic blog. And every week on this show, we dive deep into an aspect of food culture in Malaysia, and I bring in some food friends and experts to talk about it. Now, this week's episode is all about restaurant design. Yes, for slightly over 50 episodes, we've talked about the different food and flavors of Malaysia and the rest of the world. But really, when you go out to eat, when you walk into a restaurant, the first thing that really hits you isn't the food. It's the design and the atmosphere of the place that sets your first impression of the place. So it really, really is a key element of the dining experience. And to tell us all about how to make restaurants feel and look good, we have Megan Lai from Ground Up Design, a company that's responsible for designing some of the coolest places in KL and PJ, like Skillet at 163, Universal Bakehouse, Gumki at Starling, and May by Fat Spoon. Welcome onto the show today, Megan. Hi, thanks for having me. So, just as an introduction, can you tell us uh, about you and about Ground Out Design? Well, I'm an architect. I've practiced in it for in the industry for about seven years, and uh, I've always had a flair for interior design. So, about four years ago, my partner, who is uh, an engineer, he practiced in the construction field for some time and he got a project uh, to build but he needed a, a designer so one day he approached me and said hey are you looking to venture out and in the in design and build industry and I said uh, okay well I'm in architecture it's quite different mm. from doing interior design and he said okay I have a freelance project would you like to just work on the interior design and I said okay why not um, six months in, so we did a semi-D project in Damansara Heights. Um, we realised that we worked well together. And also along the way, I met my third partner, who was a quantity surveyor. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so three of us thought, okay, there is a gap in the market whereby people find it hard to get both contractors and ID that work well together and also provide a service that that is a one-stop kind of uh, experience so that um, they could manage their budget, their design expectation and their timeline all at once. And we thought, okay, why not? Let's fill that gap. We created Ground Up Design and Build where we provide interior design and renovation services. Mm. So yeah. And just to be clear, not only do you, I guess, design and build restaurants, but your portfolio actually expands beyond that in houses and offices as well, right? Yeah. But you have said that Actually, one of your favorite things to design and build are restaurants. Yeah, that's right. What, so, why is that, actually? <laughs> our <laughs> projects range across uh, residential and commercial. And the commercial jobs often uh, incorporate offices, retail, uh, F&B. But I would say F&B is our favorite because um, after the completion of the project, it's a space that the public and ourselves get to enjoy. So... 
unlike let's say an office where after a handover we don't get to utilize the space (laughs) yeah that's right so in a restaurant it's uh it's nice so it'll stay for some time and get to you know introduce new clients to the space as well as uh yeah enjoy the space Mm. Mm. and like you said Interior design is very different from from architecture, right? And I'm sure when you are designing restaurants, Mm -hmm. it's very different from designing an office space or let's say like a home. Yeah. What what are some of the key differences that you have to consider when you first go about designing a restaurant? So with designing restaurants, I think that the brand is very important and the type of vibe and cuisine that we try to emulate in our design is important. So not one formula would work for another project. For example, let's say we have a project that's a cafe bar. It's called Happy Stand in Damansara Heights. It is the first cafe and bar in Malaysia. So that would mean that they would serve coffee throughout the day and cocktail during the night. So it's a new concept I think that's very exciting to work on. And we took on a challenge to actually redefine what a cafe or bar should look like. Because in the end of the day, um, it's about designing. It's also about contributing to the success of the business. So it has to work. It has to be appealing first online as to be um, able to market itself on Instagram and Facebook. And it also has to look amazing and feel amazing when people walk across or uh, experience it inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that yeah, the main challenge of designing a restaurant compared to an office would be thinking of a variety of clients that will pass by the space. Whereas an office, you have a dedicated number of people that you've, you're going to cater to. Mm. And I actually just went to Happy Sand mm. last weekend. Oh, okay. And how do you find it? <laughs> no, I really like space. And I really hi- like how there are like different seating areas. So when you go in, there's like a central bar area in the middle. Yeah, that's right. And then with the bar seats, but then right across that, there's also like the window seating yeah. area. And then on the sides, there are little booths and tables and mm-hmm. nice plush couches. Yeah. And... Yeah, it was just a really impressive space and it kind of just all kind of melded and worked together. So can you talk me through the process of how you came up with that design and how does the the design process work for you? So one of the interesting things about the project was the brief itself. So when the clients came to us and they said, okay, well, I already knew who the clients were. They were uh, experts in their own fields, like... um, the barista coffee making world and then there is the cocktail Mm. world as well and uh, I was quite familiar with both brands they both had very different identities and we had to kind of not merge them but rather showcase both of them through the design so part of the brief was that they wanted a showcase bar like so we smacked it right in the middle so that it's an interactive experience customers get to um, see it from all angles So they get to watch uh, the coffee-making process, um, the cocktail-making process, while also still enjoying the view and the overall space. Mm. Yeah, so with the different seating areas, I think that we were able to uh, attract different kind of customers. So if they come in groups or uh, a couple or even an individual who wants to just work throughout the day, um, yeah, these different spaces would work. Mm. Yeah, and also appeal to... uh, different comfort levels, I would say. Yeah, some people are more um, they're more sociable, so they like to sit by the bar. 
mm, and then there are those that talk to the, the bartenders, the yeah, bartenders. Mm. that's right and then some people they like to take Instagram photos <laughs> so they would sit by you know the booth Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, for example. Oh, yeah. I guess like if you're more introverted and you want to do your own thing, like like me, then I'll just go into the corner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> onto the couch area there, right? Yeah. Ah, what are some of the common design mistakes that you see a lot of restaurants having? Personally, um, I would say that as a diner myself, one of the key things that stick out to me um, that are design flaws would be the layout spatial planning or rather lack thereof so um, sometimes maybe the restaurant focuses more on the staff workflow rather than the customer experience or the customer journey throughout the space or even the entrance itself for example sometimes they would chuck um, the reception counter way in front and it could be a little bit intimidating whereas sometimes they would have it all the way behind and that could also be intimidating whereby people are if they want to check out the menu for example they would have to go through this barrier which is mm. the front door well, so yeah even these like kind a, of things yeah even like a receptionist desk like it can't be too forward and it can't be too into the restaurant yeah itself. that's oh. right and also like placements of uh, the, the table the dining spaces mm. um, are there enough group settings um, are there enough um, let's say spaces for like meetings yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, so you, for you, it must be really different to to be you and walk into a restaurant. Noise. Uh, <laughs> I guess for me, it's just when I go into a restaurant, I'm like, critical. yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. I'm, I, maybe I feel a certain way, but for you, you're like, oh, this this feels <laughs> off. It should be here, not there. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess these two things, which is you know, spatial layout and um, type of seating, would be picked up by me. But I think most people would pick up something wrong if there's something wrong in the ambience. Mm, but yeah, they won't That's the really... first thing they would notice. Mm-hmm. Like but they lighting. won't really know how to like verbalize it maybe right. sometimes. That's mm. right. So yeah. f- for you, have you walked into a restaurant and be like, huh, this design is, it annoys me too much, so I'm not going to dine here anymore. I'm just going to go out and find a different place. <laughs> have you had experiences like that? I think definitely. And I think oh, you, you have? have experienced <laughs> it yourself too. Like sometimes they could be uh, too overwhelming Maybe like, you know, the bright the lights are too bright or let's say even the music that sets the tone for the space could be too loud um, or even the materials are too hard and there are echoes in the space. Mm. So these kind of discomfort levels are, are crucial to driving customers away. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, we are now going to take a really quick break, but when we come back, we'll learn more about designing restaurants with Megan from Ground Up Design. Stay with us, you're listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Breaking Bread. I'm Jun and I've been speaking to Megan Lai from Ground Up Design. So, Megan, before this, we were talking about how how you go about approaching restaurant design and we talked about a bit about Happy Stand and mm-hmm. how the design of the place was. But talk me through how you go about designing a restaurant. So it always starts with a brief. So the client would come to us and they would have this uh, list of requirements that they want to meet. For example, like the number of capacity for the customers they try to hit, um, down to the vibe they want in the restaurant, like uh, whether it's fast pace or it's a slow dining experience, and also the budget. And lastly would be the timeline. So they have a specific deadline that we have to meet. 
So after understanding the brief, we would then go to the site itself, um, have our own investigation, understand the site, um, understand its surroundings, take measurements, things like that. Then we would start the ideation process, whereby we'll look at mood boards and um, materials, and then present them to the clients. So this is the conceptual part that is key for the whole project, because that would drive the entire design process. So let's say if they're happy with a certain look and vibe we're going for, then we would develop the design further with 3D drawings, uh, construction drawings. So these are vital for the costing exercise that would come next. So we'll prepare um, a full breakdown of what everything would cost uh, for the renovation works. And then upon confirmation, and also, yeah, one thing I missed out was uh, sometimes in restaurant designs, they would require a kitchen planner. So these uh, experts that would uh, plan a kitchen and also provide the equipments. So we would have to work closely with them. Mm. Yeah. Um, sometimes the clients themselves have uh, knowledge of this, so we wouldn't need a planner. Yeah. So after we've confirmed the renovation uh, cost, we'll start building the project mm. up to handover. Right. Yeah. So you don't design kitchens specifically, right? So whenever you ask mm -hmm. to do like a layout for a kitchen, you would always engage an external Definitely. kitchen planner? Definitely, yeah. Right. So they would know what flow works best, what type of equipments to use. Mm. So yeah, we will definitely need their input. Um, certain projects like, let's say, if it's just a cafe, like a coffee bar, then it's pretty straightforward. The clients often would already have the knowledge of what equipments they're going to have. So they'll just provide us the information and we work out the best design for the bar. What's the biggest difference with designing a home kitchen or dining area and a restaurant mm -hmm. one? I think that unlike a home, whereby the kitchen is the heart of the home, it's always, in, not to say in the centre, like physically, but it is a space that people use the most. Uh, families who gather, um, you know, relationships grow there. Like, you know, <laughs> mothers teach kids how to cook and mm. uh, so on and so forth. So designing a kitchen in a restaurant, on the other hand, um, it would not very often be in the center of the space unless it's a showcase kitchen. So most of our projects, the kitchen actually uh, is set behind the restaurant um, and we let the customer dining area be the forefront of the space. So I think that would be the difference. So a commercial kitchen does not necessarily have to look glamorous or as nice because it's not visible by the clients. Yeah. Mm. But nowadays mm. we are seeing a lot of restaurants venture into, I guess, more open kitchen concepts or kind of breaking down the walls between the customer dining area and mm -hmm. where the chefs and the, and the team work, right? Yeah. Do you see that as like a trend that's upcoming um, all around the world and especially in Malaysia? I think that with fusion food nowadays and uh, customers' demand for a different kind of dining experience, I would say yes. Um, there is a trend in uh, breaking down the wall between the kitchen staff, I would say, and the customers. So uh, with that trend, I think, yeah, there's a lot of uh, interesting ideas that could come up um, that would challenge the, the norm. What other what other trends do you see right now? What's the current like zeitgeist of of restaurant design? I keep <laughs> seeing a lot of, especially when it comes to cafes, they they start to look 
almost the same, like copy and paste, a yeah, little minimalist sadly. Scandinavian <laughs> sort of design. Yeah. Is that um is that something you're seeing in the whole of the industry? And is that mm-hmm. something that is gonna grow even further and we'll see more of the same cafes? Or mm. do you think that's a trend that's heading downwards nowadays? I think that um like in ground up we always tell our clients to focus more on a style that is timeless. Um, instead of trying to follow a trend that does not really reflect their brand or cuisine that well. And also, um, people might get bored of it. So yeah, we try not to look at trends. But uh, on the other hand, yes, I do notice there are trends uh, in restaurant designs, definitely. Like, as you mentioned, the Scandinavian minimalist style. So actually, this modernism-inspired style uh, kind of dates back to the 1950s, Yeah, whereby it was the modernist era and... Right now, it's still trending. It's because of the clean lines, the streamlined look, the muted color palettes that are very adaptable to a lot of uh, things that we do, like our homes, our... Mm. Yeah, so that's why you see it more in cafes. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, like a Korean restaurant, it's quite hard for them to adapt Mm. (laughs) to a Scandinavian style. Yeah, another trend I would would say is popular is the industrial look. Um, This also dates back to 1970s, whereby, you know, there's like... Uh, popularity in people renting warehouses and lofts um, for living in uh, living spaces. So people have been incorporating them into commercial uh, spaces like restaurants. Mm. Yeah. But and why is it? Why does it seem like it's kind of seeing a resurgence now? The yeah. I guess the industrial look. I think that um, it's a look that people are very familiar with, like the grungy um, exposed bricks, raw cement. Mm. And even like exposed dark work, like people find that cool, I guess. And uh, <laughs> also, it's very popular in the West. Uh-huh. So I think that in the last ten years, there there's a growing demand for coffee, for example. And um, there are there are people coming back from uh, abroad who have studied, like let's say in Melbourne, and uh, bringing back these ideas. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I I would say the trend is growing, and uh, still growing in the last ten years. Mm. Yeah. But for you personally, mm. do you have any like favorite design styles or looks? Um, okay, there is one trend I would say that I think will become a style eventually, which is the. Revive. Oh wait, actually, how do you how do you differentiate between like a trend and a style? Is it like if it happens long enough, a trend becomes a style? Yeah. So uh, to quote Coco Chanel, <laughs> <laughs> she says that uh, trends come and go, but a style is forever. Mm. So it would mean that um, a style is uh, a certain look that is always relevant throughout any decade. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And but go into this. Yeah. Uh, go into this trend that might become a style in the near future. Okay. Yeah. I think that um, it's a look that is emerging, and you've probably seen it already in certain heritage areas like Chinatown. So this style is the revival of the old school charm. And I think that um, it's quite popular uh, amongst uh, F&B because it is very reminiscent of what we're familiar with. Like, you know, like hanging out in your grandmother's house, for example. So one example would be, um, let's say, a restaurant in Chinatown where it occupies an old heritage building. And then it would uh, reuse its facade, the original facade along with maybe some of the colonial elements. Mm. And then the there's an injection of modern elements as well, like metal or like um, bold, vibrant furniture, for example, to contrast that. Mm. Yeah, so I think that, yeah, in Malaysia especially, this old school kind of look 
is very appealing mm, to yeah. anyone. Yeah, I think yeah. there are a few kind of restaurants that immediately pop into mind when you when you say that. Would you consider Chocha as kind of yeah? That's in that? one good or example. Like Mingles as well. Yeah, in that's right. Italian Street. Like mm. even in one of our projects, uh, Universal Bake House, uh-huh. um, it is a modern bakery and cafe, but at the same time. It occupies uh, what used to be an old Dobby shop, which was uh, functioning for 40 years, I believe. And right now, they try to uh, kind of pay homage to that idea mm-hmm. by recreating this old signboard that uh, the Dobby once had. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And it's like, it almost kind of evokes that old heritage look mm-hmm. and feel, but at the same yeah. time, injecting a bit more modernist yeah, modernist yeah, uh, like, uh, feeling into it concrete mm. textures cement yeah cool definitely I think those two vibes really work together in mm. Malaysia what's mm. the what's the latest project that, that you've uh, finished so the latest one would be Kamke uh, it's uh, Cha Chan Teng it's a franchise from Hong Kong mm. and it's the very first outlet in Malaysia so yeah it's quite an exciting project it's installing more ground floor um I think the identity was one of the challenging part of this project because mm. it had to be modern and at the same time it had to represent a very authentic Hong Kong style. Mm. So like with uh, most Tatsanteng like Wong Kok or uh, Kim Gary, uh, they often have a very modern and relevant outlook because the food they serve is very modern, like you know cheese, big rice and things like that. But uh, with Kam Ke, because it is from Hong Kong uh, originally, um, they wanted to represent where it came from. So we had to merge two ideas, whereby it had to look authentic, authentically oriental, but at the same time, uh, it jives with the Malaysian vibe. So we injected like rattan, like things that are more local and familiar, uh, with, let's say, a mosaic tile that is from old school Hong Kong. So cool. the outcome is like, as I mentioned, yeah, the revival of the old school charm, uh-huh. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it kind it kind of sort of links to, you know, bringing back the heritage charm that some of the Pataling street restaurants yes, have. that's right. And mm-hmm. yeah, kind of like a mix of the old and the new, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And Thanks. I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but just before we end, where can people find you? People who are looking to, I guess, design restaurants mm-hmm. or build up new places, offices or homes even. Yeah, where can they uh, find you? you can look us up on Instagram. We're Ground Up My. And uh, you can hit us up via email, home at groundup.com.my. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming thank on the show, so Megan. Much, That's all we have for this week's show. To listen to more episodes, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or visit our website at www.bfm.my. And as usual, for fun recipes and funky food writing, you can visit my blog at junantonic.com. That's J-U-N-A-N-D-T-O-N-I-C.com. I'm Jun, and you've been listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.